Welcome to the CD podcast. I'm Deputy Editor Grace Lewis. For this podcast, I spoke to Anna Maxwell, CEO of Maxwellia and author of Switch Dynamics, a practical approach to switching medicines for self-care. Hear her discuss some of the most high-profile switches in recent years, including Viagra Connect and Ella One, and how she thinks pharmacy teams can make the most of medicine switches. Would you mind giving us a little bit of overview of where you started and how, and now you're you own Maxwellia, is that right? Or you, you, you... I'm, I'm CEO of I'm CEO of Maxwellia, and uh, we're a business who are building a pipeline of new brands for self care. The game changer is that we're actually doing that by switching prescription drugs from prescription into over the counter status. And I set the business up around five years ago, uh, and we have venture capital backing and angel backing at the moment, uh, and we're based up at Alderley Park in Manchester. Uh, which is the old AstraZeneca HQ. I started my career as a pharmacist, uh, trained at Chelsea College, King's, and uh, went into retail, did my pre-reg in Oxford, uh, and then started working in retail pharmacy uh, on relief management at the time, travelling from around the southwest of the country. So that was my patch from actually Birmingham all the way down to Penzance, in fact. So whilst I was there, I got to see hands-on the different demographic of the UK. And I I became very fascinated about that in terms of how different products would actually sell in different places. And um, there was a real, you know, interest in, in certain categories, such as natural medicine, for example, in the southwest at the time. Um, I then became uh, a buyer for Boots, so I was there for about seven or eight years, moving through the ranks of of the Boots buying, but I was able to be responsible for all, so from top to toe, from head really to foot care at the time, um, and actually bought all the -the over-the-counter medicines, both for Boots brand and also proprietary, so dealing with the major manufacturers. And at the time, um, it was when the first sort of early stage switches were beginning to happen. Mm. Um, So Nurofen had recently switched from prescription to non-prescription status. Then there was the host of antihistamines. There were the smoking cessation products. Um, And I presided pretty much over all the sort of Boots end of the sales and marketing strategy for those. And we had at the time responsibility for tra- you know merchandising, training, pricing. So you got a, th- a complete 360 Ooh. view of how uh, a product could be marketed through the stores. And because you're in a, I was in a position where we were working hand in hand with the big OTC manufacturers. It was an absolutely fantastic uh, insight into marketing strategy and how to commercialise medicines. And you know, effectively, I was in the driving seat, making decisions about you know how we would actually do that. I then moved from Boots and went to be marketing director for a couple of OTC companies, Nelson's being one, the natural medicines company, where I launched uh, the Click Pack and Rescue Remedy, took Rescue Remedy from literally a cottage industry and commercialised that into the mass market. Click Pack was an innovation where we uh, completely revolutionised the, revolutionized the container so that we staved off generic competition, uh, which was a threat because of the pending EU legislation at the time. We're talking 30 years ago. <laughs> um, uh, I moved uh, into Boeringer Ingelheim, where I did a number of switches for them. Uh, I was marketing director there. And then I moved into uh, consultancy, where over the last sort of, uh, over the time, I spotted the opportunity to harvest the off-patent portfolio of medicines and commercialise those as uh, switches and build our own, start to build our own pipeline of products. 
Fantastic. And I understand that you've um, analysed over 30 medicine switches. Um, is that during this this, this time, um, this time period, or with your time with Boots, or is that over the last few years? Well, I guess I'm, I'm really interested in really difficult innovation. I think that's what people hired me for, uh, product launch and really difficult innovation, so things that are quite hard to do. And so I've always had a real interest in in new, in, in all the, over time, you know, I have a, a memory of everything from, you know, my take on it. And that's, I mean, I actually written a book um, about the whole, um, uh, switch environment and in there are this case histories of my take on on switch and how it could be done better and you know different case studies from my perspective of just being a sort of pharmacist on the ground of how things work so yeah I mean it's really hands-on of actually observing how these things have have kind of manifested themselves in the in the market when companies have actually done them so yeah fantastic and what, what switches would you say have had the most impact in community pharmacy over the recent years? In the recent years okay so the ones that I would bring I think Maloff Protect has been a really good innovation because uh, it's an example of where a generic company has taken an off-patent drug at very quickly converted that to an OTC status um, and they have opened up a new category for pharmacists which you know from my perspective is something that we are really looking to do uh, provide pharmacists with new opportunities to help people look after themselves without the need to bother the doctor um, and try to keep them out of um, primary care so that they actually keep coming back for valuable things that can be done within pharmacy. So Malaf Protect is one. Uh, I also believe Ella One was a significant step change in uh, the morning after pill, next generation morning after pill, the most effective mm. product uh, available bar none. And that is offering women choice in terms of getting the best medicine to uh, manage the unfortunate situation of a potentially unwanted pregnancy. And from a pharmacist's perspective, being able to offer a woman choice, um, I know which one I would choose. <laughs> I know which one I'd choose for my daughter. So actually, it's kind of, um, you know, being able to enable people to buy and make a choice regarding the, the appropriateness of the medication, um, you know, and, and offering them the best chance of, of success from in that particular scenario. So that for me, that's a step change. I also worked on, on that with um, HRA Pharma. It's about the only one I can talk about. And then obviously Viagra, which is significant in that it took around 12 to 13 years to do. And I think there's, you know, from a process perspective, maybe we can come back to that later, in that the rigorousness of the switch process is is significant. There is a heck of a lot of work that goes into taking a drug from prescription to non-prescription status, looking at the risk benefit and justifying why it's, it is safe to uh, enable consumers in this case in conjunction with a pharmacist to be able to access that medicine. But I think that, you know, from a Viagra perspective, it should have been it should have been switched a long time ago, but um, the regulations didn't, the EU regs or the EU framework didn't allow that to happen because of the requirement to get consensus across the broad church of, of uh, countries, uh, member states. And the, but from a safety point of view, in terms of uh, overcoming the counterfeiting, but more importantly, screening early intervention for people with cardiovascular, men with cardiovascular problems. You know, as far as I'm concerned, that's a real, that's a massive benefit. And if you can draw men into pharmacy earlier, then you're actually saving lives. So, you know, from my point of view, those three are probably the most significant. They are really, really relevant. There's been a lot of Peter GSL, which, you know, that's, that's, um, 
that's the nature of the way the market works um, because over time, you know, I think we have to come to expect that a product goes POM, P and then GSL. But what I'm keen to do is make sure we're filling up the pipe uh, in terms of the P medicine category so that pharmacists have got, you know, new things to be able to help patients with. I think you, you touched on the sort of patient safety aspect. So your your key is to, to make sure pharmacists are involved in that that switch from POM to P to GSL. They're, they're involved in that, that, that cycle. In terms of the the sorts of switches that we're looking at mm. doing, then all of pretty much all of them are pharmacy, next generation pharmacy products. So they will become P status. And so when we when we went through our switch process, we worked really closely with the authorities, but also pharmacists to identify what's going to work in the OTC setting. And the rigour around making certain that a pharmacist and the consumer together can select the appropriate person, so whether they are appropriate for a, a, a drug, and most importantly, deselect or signpost the um, person to a referral or another place if they're not appropriate, that the rigour around assessing that and making sure that that works um, is, I think, probably really underestimated because there's an awful lot of work and thinking that goes into actually switching drugs from RX to OTC. So I think I think the journey of, of, a, of a medicine, or effectively, I think it's inevitable. They spend time on POM. I'd like to see POM products being switched earlier, so not waiting to the last minute of their drug life cycle that would that their life cycle on the patent that would be really helpful if we actually could get access to those earlier um then they spend a spell of time in the pharmacy setting then inevitably i think if they're safe if safety has been proven then being able being then being able to move it, it's it's inev- it's inevitable but provide that you can actually fill the pipe up with new things at the top mm. have you got any examples of products that you think are coming down the line I have. I, I mean, oh, I, I, I can't talk. About talk. <laughs> <laughs> obviously, for sensitive commercial reasons, we work with a number of clients. We obviously have our own pipeline. And I guess what I can say about Maxwellia is I'm looking at creating new categories. So, you know, Viagra, the, the erectile dysfunction is a great example of a new category. We talked about Malaprotect, mm-hmm. great example of a formalising a new category. I mean, pharmacists have been able to sell antimalarials, but suddenly, you know, they've really w- combined that with their travel services. They've really got something tangible now too. So what we're, I think what, what we're looking at is upcoming public health priorities and seeing whether or not there are opportunities within the off-patent portfolio where, where maybe an intervention by a pharmacist, perhaps earlier on in the drug, in, in, the, in the condition evolution with a, of a, of a, of a, a person experiencing a condition if we can actually nip it in the bud earlier then potentially we have an opportunity to keep them out of primary care altogether if they can actually take lifestyle changes or if they can take a medicine or a combination to enable them to get well themselves and obviously save money for the NHS hopefully as well so I think you know I'm, I'm really kind of interested there's some low-hanging fruit that we're looking at but I'm actually really interested in things that would take us beyond cough cold pain gastro um i think there's i think pharmacists can do a huge you know they there's a huge amount of opportunity uh, in other categories that that they could tap um to enable them to see more people for different things uh, and sort of put some real kind of added value back into pharmacy and i know you said you it's commercially sensitive and you can't talk about specific projects but in terms of these categories so beyond cough colds um yeah. pain and gastro 
what's what's the next category then do you, do you, do you think well that again i can't no, really <laughs> communicate but i mean you know if we if we look at if, if we look at health trends and we look at um that you know I can say, you know, there's some, there's interesting stuff coming in women's health. That's very broad, um, and I think if you look at public health trends, we should we should start to see some interesting. Uh, well, from our point of view, we're looking at, you know, how can we uh, support pharmacy with some useful interventions in some of the areas that are impacting big numbers. Um, have you got any examples of switches that perhaps haven't worked or haven't gone to plan? Or from your point of view, your, your personal opinion, not not sort of stepping on any commercial <laughs> toes. No, I mean, the, the, I think the reasons why the switches uh, don't work are there are many reasons. Um, the first is making sure that there are a set of patients or can, there are a set of people that actually want to buy the product. So, and I think that, that this is where switch designing a switch from the outset. Uh, is really important because making sure that you can you identify your target population of who it is that you're trying to target and why they should buy it and it's not necessarily the same group as who may present at doctors so i talked about early intervention people who are in early stage disease are not the people necessarily that are presenting to the doctor they're the ones who go five years later so actually you're it's it's understanding a different mindset and working right at the beginning to make sure that when you're actually crafting your switch in terms of the 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 claims and the the label that you produce that actually they're going to be meaningful um the the other the other area really is um ensuring that pharmacists understand and can intuitively uh be trained to a level where they kind of they are able to um, execute the switch in the the pharmacy setting. That's really hard. So, you know, again, we, we work a lot with, with pharmacists to enable, to make sure that, you know, the materials we're providing and, and that, that they are able to deliver the switch as it was intended. But it, so, I mean, pharmacy training is really, really important. But I think there's a there's another kind of factor, which is because it's new, generally there's like a deep breath of risk aversion. So with Viagra, I'm pretty sure, you know, everyone knew it was coming, it arrives, and then deep breath, risk aversion. And we've unfortunately got a very big questionnaire, which is probably a legacy of the fact that the thinking was done a long time ago, because questionnaires now for switches, we, we try and work so that it's intuitive, building on pharmacists' knowledge. Um, so that because we, it, if you look at the MHRA working group on, on switches, then questionnaires were perceived as really not, not being helpful um, because they what you what you need to do is make sure a pharmacist is comfortable to actually have that consultation and conversation with um, a consumer. So um, sharp int- intake of breath regarding Viagra, but actually you know the amount of effort that Pfizer have put into making sure that that pharmacy model is has looked at all the risks, it's looked at all the benefits, and it it is has been agreed by the regulator as being a safe mode of supply what i'd like to see from pharmacists is actually less risk aversion and more let's embrace it let's make this work because if they make it work and the product starts to sell then that means more investment for pharmacy and so people sort of just referring to doctor doctor because it's too difficult or not actually having a go and really supporting switch you know that that's another reason why they you know they can be less successful um and their investment. So time and time again, companies pull the plug way too early. They're not meeting their sales lines. You need to have deep pockets if you want to launch a new product. And, you know, the, the bump, I guess, we let's have a look at Nexium. You know, Pfizer have launched that. They launched it from GSL to straight to GSL. So it went from POM to P and then it sat, not launched, and then went to GSL. But that's really because you have to look at where most shoppers buy 
their gastro products and it's actually from supermarket shelves mm -hmm. so uh, in self-selection so you know realistically that's understanding where the shoppers shop and actually tailoring the switch to enable that to happen but that wouldn't have happened if we hadn't have had the H2 antagonists and the other PPIs coming behind it. So, you know, they enable them to be able to leapfrog to, to GSL because that's where that's where the, the shoppers shop. But, you know, investment, so coming back to investment, that's that's really important. And it's I'd like to see greater support. I would like to see greater support from pharmacists to actually be less risk averse because the amount of effort, it's not, it, you don't write a few letters and get the MH order to agree it. It's a rigorous process. It takes a long time. It's an official process. You know, everybody that's working to do this are, is, is really committed to, uh, you know, widening access because we're trying to help people at the end of the day. And someone who's motivated by an ad to, or a piece of communication in a magazine or whatever to come in, they actually don't really want to be flagged off to the doctor. That's not, that's actually bad. That's doing them a disservice if you do that. So, you know, that's, I, I just think they, they provide real catalysts for pharmacists to kind of engage with new, con, new sets of consumers and um, enable, enable them to add, you know, further value and more cash through the till at the end of the day. Mm. Actually, touches on uh, another one of my questions. Um, how can pharmacies uh, cash in on on these switches and and make the most of them? Like you said, perhaps embrace them. I think the biggest thing that they can do is is really is is actually to take a breath for uh, five seconds and trust that the companies that have actually managed to achieve this for somebody to for the people that are working in pharma companies and OTC companies to actually manage to do these projects which are notoriously difficult you know you have to trust that the, everything has been thought through in terms of the well the risk the benefit the safety the pharmacy model and get you know just do it <laughs> and also sell the branded product i've heard some pharmacists perhaps i shouldn't promote this but i've heard some pharmacists kind of still offering pgd and promoting the prescription medicine because they can kind of knock knock it out cheaper to the patient or they can knock it out you know make just as much margin at a lower price but you know at the end of the day if you don't support the brands then the investment won't be there and i think that from a pharmacy point of view there's a real need to take if, if companies are investing in switches then pharmacists need to need to support them um, and not kind of not make shortcuts because there will be more switches um, that will will come later as a result of them being being successful. So it's it's a, a challenging challenging task for everybody. Um, I did have a question around um, any medicines that you think might lose their P, P license and go go the other way. It's um, always disappointing when we hear about reverse switches because I I do sometimes feel it's the actions of a few that. Um, restrict the opportunities for the many and so example of vulnerable tablets that's really unfortunate that it's no longer available in the UK but I guess I don't like to try I guess I don't like to tempt providence really mm. um you know there are yes we talked about the codeine medications um you know that they there's a I would I would imagine those are under scrutiny and also the laxative business is under scrutiny as well it's it is unfortunate because again you're going to drive uh, cost uh, back into the NHS and uh, when when actually you know probably 95% of the pop maybe it's even bigger 99% of the population you know can use these things sensibly so yeah it's I guess for me being a kind of switch aficionado and a, a champion of switch it's actually really disappointing but having said that though you know 
from a safety perspective, if the evidence is clear, then, mm. you know, the evidence, then that, that so be it. But it is kind of disappointing when that happens. Mm. So I'm, I'm thinking, especially with ongoing MHRA investigations into POM diversion and, and the rise of, sort of online pharmacies where a lot of these <coughs> products are. Um, so that's been really interesting. Is there anything that you are, in terms of the switching world, um, that you're particularly excited about at the moment, um, or you're working on in the new year that you, you are able to, to say? <laughs> Um, I mean, I think you know what I what, what we're doing at Maxwellia is in fact is really interesting in that we are becoming a a, a uh, effectively industrialising switches so that we're doing them over and over and over again, mm-hmm. um, which means that we hopefully can um, bring more switches faster to consumers to widen more medicine widen access, but that requires money funding we have to we have to raise some we'll be raising more money in the new year to be able to do that most big companies will do one every five years Pfizer are unusual they've done a couple um so the fact that we're pushing multiple numbers of switches through our pipe plus some of the work we do with third part with um consultancy clients um i think you know sooner or later they're all going to come popping out of the pipeline at the other end mm-hmm. um and that's when we'll we'll be able to see some really interesting step change i think for the industry so I'm, I'm really excited about what we're, we're doing and it's great that we've managed to find some patient investors to enable us to kind of um, toil away and and do this this work because you know I really believe it's really valuable and it's once we start opening up the opportunities of you know the big drug companies haven't actually done you know they've left the drugs to fall off the patent, patent cliff um, so once we're able to, I think, demonstrate how you can repurpose and recycle a, a, a drug, um, I think that the value of a switching as a um, kind of game-changing innovation will be realised. I think everybody knows how if you can actually make get one, get a switch and make it work, catch a switch and make it work, then that is almost like the holy grail of OTC innovation. Have you got any advice for um, any of our readers that uh that will be listening on listeners I would say um, to get involved in the, the sort of the switching market or get in contact with you if they have yeah I mean I, first of all I mean I, from, from my perspective I'm we're really interested to hear what pharmacists would like to be on the switch list so what would they think would be valuable and um, we also based up in Alderley Park in Manchester so we're really interested to hear from pharmacists local to us who if they're interested to come and get involved but equally we do um, online we do quite a lot of work online in terms of testing our uh, theories and hypotheses so yeah I mean anyone that's if they're interested get in touch um, and just keep an eye out for us so that uh, you know ultimately we want their support when we launch the products. That was pharmacist and medicine switches expert Anna Maxwell. If you enjoyed listening to this CND podcast, don't forget to subscribe on iTunes or your preferred Android app. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm.